Uh, Psalm 107 begins a, a new book of the Psalms. The Psalms are, are, are kind of broken down into five different books. Uh, really, the kind of the, think about those five books. You have the five books of the Torah, uh, the, the first five books, and the Psalms is very similar. It's five books, and we're entering into the, the fifth book here. But there's a lot of similarities that are connected to Psalm uh, 105 and Psalm 106. And if you jump back to Psalm 106, it says in verse 47, it says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the God, the Lord, the God of everlasting, from everlasting, Lord our God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. And what you see in, in the very first opening verses of Psalm 107, an answer to that prayer. Uh, so it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. So really the psalmist is trying to say right here that the beginning of this psalm is probably written after the exile, but it's a reflection, a, a, an answered prayer for what they had prayed even in Psalm 106. This is a wonderful psalm to think on and to meditate about what God has done for us in, in Christ. Uh, there's really, there's the beginning first three verses uh, that kind of frame the whole psalm. And then that last verse, which I think is important to help us think through the whole entire psalm. That last verse, verse 43, says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Beloved, I want you to be wise, and we should all want to be wise. And the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And those who are wise, who want to live and think rightly, should attend, should give themselves to these things, to thinking about what this psalm unpacks. And then the psalmist even defines it right there in verse 43. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. So really what we want to do over the next 15 minutes is we want to meditate on the steadfast love of the Lord, how he has worked in your life, how he has worked throughout the, the church universal, throughout all time and history, and how the Lord is working today. So let's just jump back right there at the beginning. Psalm 107, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. It's a wonderful thing that we can always pray. We can give thanks to the Lord at all times. Why? Because he is good. His character is righteous and good. He is always for us. And his steadfast love endures forever. And the, the love of God that he has for you and for me will endure until the end of, of time. So what you feel right now in the love that you have from, from the Lord, God himself, that will be with you forever. Isn't that an amazing promise that God will keep you? It's one of the reasons why we sing that song so often here, He will hold me fast, because the Lord will hold us in His love, uh, because He has adopted us into His family. And when God brings us into His family, He will never cast us out again. This is why it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble. Now, we're going to look at four different groups here. Uh, These are four different people who have been redeemed from trouble. And these, these groups who have been redeemed from trouble are, are the ones that have been gathered from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. So how this psalm is kind of broken down, you see verses 4 through 9, 10 through 16, 17 through 23, 24 through 32. And each one of those is, 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 is unpacking this idea of how God has shown his steadfast love to a different group of people. Now, the way that the Hebrews would have, would have read this 
Many of them looked at all these four groups of people as one people, as how God has shown his steadfast love to all of Israel in bringing them back, and different kind of how God has shown his steadfast love from a different angle. Whether these are, are distinct groups of people, different commentators say different things. Uh, some say it's, it's all of Israel looked at at different angles. Some would say it's very clearly that because they're, they're different enough experiences that it makes, it makes us think that it's actually four different groups. And even how it's kind of arranged may, may help us see that the steadfast love of the Lord is expansive from the, from the land to the sea, from the external trials that we face and from the inner trials of the heart, encompassing all of, of life. But either way, what we want to do is we want to consider the steadfast love of the Lord. We want to attend to these things. So we begin with the first group, the, the wanderers there in verse 4. It says, some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hunger and thirsty, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. When they cried to the Lord, their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So right there at the beginning, verses 4 and 5, you see the wanderer. They've gone off into the desert. They're looking for a place to dwell, to, to kind of start and renew their, their lives. And they ended up not finding a place to, to dwell, but they, they end up in, with hunger and with thirst. And it says their soul is, is fainting within them. Life itself is, is vanishing from them. And what you see in all these different groups, you see this, this simple prayer in verse 6. They cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Beloved, really what the psalm is, is it, this is a, a, a picture of how we are saved in the Lord. Now, we all have our own uh, quest, our own wanderings, our own things that we want to do with our own life. And yet, when we get to the end and realize that our soul is not satisfied, that we are hungry and that we are, are thirsty and our soul is fainting within, we, within us, what do we do? We cry out to God and we say, God, help me. God, be with me. I need you now. So I don't know whatever trial you're facing today, but I know that in my conversations with this, within this body this past week, I know that there are many, many trials. But the troubles of this life seem overwhelming with many in this body. And can I just encourage you, if you are feeling the weight of your life, the weight of distress and anguish, so much so that you feel your, your soul is fainting within you, I would ask you to do this, to cry out to the Lord. To cry out to the Lord. I've had different times in my life where my prayers have not been silent. They have not been quiet. God, help me! Oh God, I need you now! There's this emotion we're crying out to God when we are in the midst of our, our pain and our distress. God wants all of us. He wants us to surrender all. Give it to him. Don't hide that emotion from him because he wants you. He wants your heart. So he cries out, and what do you see? He delivered them from their distress. He led them on a straight way, and they reached a city to dwell in. 
They, they got what they cried out for. Then you see this refrain in, in, verse, in, in verse 8 and verse uh, 6, 15, and uh, later on, 25, I believe, or it's all over the text. You'll find it, right? Uh, verse 8, um, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. That's the refrain, right? So if you memorize that one verse, you really memorize four verses, right? Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, right? This is what we want to do. We want to meditate on how God has worked in our own life to show us his steadfast love. So we could say, oh, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Why? For he, in this case, he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Uh, I don't know about you, if you've ever been hungry and you, you get a, a bacon cheeseburger, God is good, right? So you see that this, this, this wanderer, right? And then you see the same thing. Not only there's wanderers, uh, but you also have those who are in, in, in darkness. Uh, they're in oppression. Look at what verse 10 says. Some sat, which is the key, is that, that some is a the, is the changing in the stanza. Some sat in darkness in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in iron. So these are the ones who have been uh, oppressed and they have been uh, taken as prisoners and they are in, in, um, in jail. They are prisoners. And what do you see? The reason, verse 11, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. So this is the consequences of sin you see here. Uh, they rebelled against the words of God and God brought judgment upon them. But we know that when God brings judgment upon us, what does judgment do? Judgment is supposed to turn us back to the Lord, right? It's to realize that we have wronged and rebelled against God and God in his kindness brings us discipline. We looked at that last week. His, his, he disciplines those he loves. Uh, fathers, earthly fathers disciplines us uh, disciplines children whom they love, and, and, and we thank them, respect them for it. And God, in kindness to us, gives us judgment so that he can bring us back to him. And that's exactly what happens with these people. Look at verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Again, their distress, their wrong God. And what do they do? They, they cry out to God, God, help me. Forgive me for my sin. And it says in verse 14, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. And he burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in twos the bars of iron. You think about when you're in prison and you're locked and you're trapped because of your own sin, God frees you and breaks that open. Part of the calling of salvation is this idea of freedom. Uh, Christ has come to set us free and, and free from the bondage of our own sin. You know, these are the external choices that we, that we make, that, that we sin against God, and because of our sin against God, we are, are trapped and, 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 and caught in, in a literal physical prison, right? It may be because of choices that we made. It may be um, external things that we actually feel in our own life, and God says, I've come to break them apart. I've come to give you freedom. And when God gives you freedom, what do you say? You say, thank you, God. We give him thanks. 
And we see this in verse 17. Not only do we see the, those in darkness, we also see the, those who have been foolish. Verse 17, some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any, good, any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. You know, this picture seems very different from the first one. It seems like they sinned against God and they, they experienced the physical consequences of that sin. Uh, whether that be being addicted to something in this world or actually being imprisoned because of your, your sin. Uh, but here it seems like they have been fools. They have walked the ways of folly and there is this inner tor- turmoil that's in their, in their heart. So much so that they were so um, undone because of their sin, because of their folly, they couldn't even eat. And they drew near to the gates of death. I might as well die because of my sin. And what did this group do? Verse 19, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. I mean, do you see this repetition? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the distress in your life, but whatever you're going through, cry to the Lord. Sometimes God is bringing all this in your life so that you would actually turn to him and you would cry out. I mean, you think about everything that's happening in our world today, uh, you know, all the, all the chaos and all the, the death and destruction. And when that comes, you have nowhere else to turn but to God. And if we are not helping people in our own lives turn to God in their distress, then we are, we are, 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 are not um, doing all that I think God would require of us. But you notice that every single one of these groups can pray. They can call out to God. And God does what? Verse 19, he, he delivered them from their distress. He sent his, out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Because God just did, how does he heal? He sent them his word. This is why I think it's more the the internal heart that's being healed here, not just the external circumstances. And when we experience salvation, what do we do? We thank God. We give thanks to him for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. But I love how he's even phrasing that the children of man. I think it just reminds us that God is God and we are not. That he, he, he comes down to us. We are children doesn't matter how old we are in the eyes of God. We are but mere children. And God is kind to come down to us. And we can see his wondrous works. Verse 23, you see this, these who are uh, at sea, probably um, working for a foreign power. It says in verse 23, some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. Now, remember the first one was about the land, right? That they were looking for a, a place to dwell. So you have this land imagery here. Then you have this water imagery here. So if the first, the middle two are, are external circumstances for sin and the second one is the internal circumstances, this could be the land and the sea really trying to encompass all of life, okay? That could be what the, the psalmist is doing here. It says in verse 24, they saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. 
They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the seas were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Do you see how each one of these, these, these groups are really walking through salvation? That they, they were in distress, they were in something that was, that was horrific, and in this case, that even death itself, being at the seas, and, and, and what did God do? In, in a moment, he calmed the sea, reminds us of someone who stood by the sea and said, peace be still, and the waters hushed, and someone said, who is this that he, even the, the seas and the winds obey him? Well, this is what happens when you stand in the presence of God. We realize that God and God alone is the one who saves. And we can't save ourselves because of our good works. And this is all pointing us to Christ. The, the wondrous work that God has done for the children of men is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, 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 who The Lord God sent Jesus to live the life that we were called to live and to die the death that we deserved. He was dead and buried. Then God did what? God raised him from the dead. This great and glorious miracle, the miracle of the resurrection. And now he's ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. And now he's doing the miracle of regeneration again and again and again. He's having his people realize they can't save themselves, that they are in utter distress. And what do we do? We cry out to God and God always saves. If you cry out to God, if you call upon the name of the Lord you will be saved. Not because of what you have done, but because of what Christ has done on your behalf. So we can say, we can give thanks to God for his steadfast love, for the wondrous works and work he has done for the children of, of man. No matter what you're dealing with in life, God can bring reversal. This is the, the picture here in verse 33. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. You know, we can see this in our own day, uh, a land that was once booming and, 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 and uh, bustling with life can easily be turned the other way because of the evil of its people. You know, what happens oftentimes in prosperity in, in nations is that we rejoice in our prosperity and we do what? We forget the Lord, right? We do that in our own life, do we not? And we start living our life and God tends to bless and then we tend to, to shift our eyes away from the Lord thinking that what is happening in our life is because of us and because of our, our actions. And then what happens is that we, we lose those blessings, right? Not because God is unkind, but because God loves you. And he says that you're trusting in the wrong things. So you see a, a great land that could be turned to nothing. But we can also see the opposite in verse 35, he turns desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly and he does not let their stock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low, such oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and make their families like 
flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Beloved, I do lots of counseling uh, in our body. Um, I've been doing it for years, and I think one of the, the things that when people think that life is overwhelming and that life can never improve is they forget God's power of bringing a great reversal. We, we think that my, my marriage is so rough, it's never going to get better, my life will always be this way. We get very tunnel vision. We think that nothing is going to improve. I'm never going to, to find joy in, in, in the spouse. I'm never going to have uh, kids that are, are well-adjusted. I'm never, I'm never, I'm never. And this idea, this weight kind of crowds us. And I've seen it happen time and time again. And when we're in the pit of despair, we don't have any hope. But God has always promised us hope. He's promised us hope finally and fully in the resurrection, but he's promised us hope in the here and now. Where you are today in your life does not mean that you're going to be here a year from now, two years from now, three, five, six years from now, because God can take things that are all jacked up and he can fix them and make them straight, right? And we have to believe that. That's what God's word says. And listen, sometimes when we think we're, we're so undone is we're forgetting the power of God. And what God would say here is think about how he has shown you steadfast love. Think about all the people in your life where God has shown steadfast love to. Hear the story of the man who was a, was a drunkard and how God changed him. Think about the story of the woman who was a, addicted to pain pills and God changed her. Think about all these stories of, of, of destruction and addiction and sin and how God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has changed their lives through Christ. The, the story of the church is a story of the steadfast love of God. How this person was saved in Christ, how that person and, and that person, and we can all rejoice in God's power. How that marriage was saved. How that child returned to the Lord. We should never be without hope. That doesn't mean that we're going to see it in this life. Because sometimes the seeds of our prayers lay in the ground until we do. And then they spring up. I mean, I think about, about Gary Huddleston and how his dad never saw him as a pastor, never saw him as walking in the Lord. But I know that his dad prayed for him for years that he would turn to faith. And I know that one day when, when Gary breathes his last and enters into glory and sees his dad, his dad's going to smile with an enormous joy-filled smile because God does miracles. So this is what we must do, beloved. We must do what verse 43 says, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. You know, sometimes we get overwhelmed with our own life and our own circumstances. And what we're doing is we're, we're forgetting about the power of God and how he has shown steadfast love throughout the generations in my own personal life, and in the lives of the people around me. Let us attend to these things. Let's give ourselves to thinking about the power of God and the steadfast love of the Lord. Let us consider it, and then let us rejoice. Because, as the text says, we give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Father, we pray that we, as your people, that we be wise, that we would attend ourselves to these things, 
that we would consider the steadfast love of the Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.